This is part two of the tribulation. I did not coincide this message with this day being Halloween. It's just the way God unfolded these series of messages, and so here we are. Okay? Let me just, I, I oftentimes want to review because I figure somebody might not have been here last week or the week before. And when I do review, I get bogged down in that, and, and it takes me from the meat of what I want to say today. Last Sunday, I preached on the subject of the tribulation, invasion from hell. Part two here of this message is tribulation, hell on earth. It will probably take me two more lessons to speak about the tribulation other than this morning. Let let me bring you up to par with where we are, okay? Let me say to you, and this is a timeline of the rapture and second coming of the Lord. Uh, My regret is that maybe I didn't make it larger and more legible for you to discern it from where you're seated. But I hope you can. Here's where we are, brothers and sisters. We are in the age of the church. When Jesus came the first time, you see the cross on what would be your left on this graph, chart, timeline. Jesus came as a baby in Bethlehem's manger to accomplish our salvation. At age 30, he began his full-time active adult ministry. He preached for three and a half years, and then they killed him. Three days later, he arose from the dead. Forty days later, he took his disciples and others who bore witness to his resurrection, and there were even angels present forty days after his resurrection, outside of Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, and he confirmed to them what he said would happen to him after his resurrection. I will go away, he says. But I'll not leave you comfortless. My bodily, physical presence that you had with you, disciples, for the last number of years, I'm going to be gone. Why are you going, Jesus? He had told them earlier in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That coming again meant that he was going to come in the rapture. That coming again, in instructing the, the disciples who remain, he says, I want, you, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait for me to send you the Holy Spirit. And they did, and it came. Then I want you to go and preach the gospel to all the world. Everyone that believes, Matthew 24, the Great Commission. Pardon me, Matthew 28, 18 and 19. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And whosoever believes and is saved, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And tell them to tell others. I'm coming again. I'm not going to tell you the day I'm coming or the hour I'm coming. But I'm going to tell you that there will be signs. Signs in successions. There will be signs in the heavens, on the earth, in the sea, on the land. There will be signs in governments and individuals. and, and And you'll know that when you see these signs that your redemption is near. Implying to them that I'll be gone and I'll prepare a place for you. I could come back next year. I could come back ten years from now. Your business is to spread the good news and be ready. And so it's been 2,000 years, brothers and sisters. And so the timeline says that the next thing that's supposed to happen in God's calendar, because you and I are living by God's calendar, understand? We have our own day plan and all that stuff. We got our own agendas, but God controls the calendar. Okay, And so the rapture of the church is what we're waiting. We're in the church age. All the signs that point to the rapture of the church has been fulfilled. Okay, Jesus is coming back in a two-part return. I'm not going to reteach this. They are on the CDs. I encourage you to get them. This is my fourth lesson on this subject. So there are three others. Or you might be able to get online and, 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 and uh, uh, type in. Uh, SouthMetroMinistries.com, and there you'll have access also. So, so here's what I'm, I'm saying to you. We, uh, all the signs of the rapture has to take place has been fulfilled, okay? Okay, the signs of the return of Jesus after the rapture are signs that I'm going to talk about today, and many of which are already fulfilled. Jesus is coming in the clouds. It could be this morning. Right now is noontime. Please, please hear me, okay? And if you want validation, it's in this book. He will come in the clouds, the first part of his return. Seven years later, he's coming back on the earth 
with those he took seven years prior. Those who are going up in the rapture will be those who are born again. If you're saved today and you are living for Jesus and your life has been washed symbolically in the blood of the Lamb, you are going to be out of here. Yes, what's going to happen if the trumpet sounds right now, it's going to happen so fast. So the trumpet of God's going to sound. And, uh, and the dead who died waiting for the rapture thought they would be alive. But we buried them and had a ceremony for them. They are going to come out of the grave. I, I don't even think they're going to break the ground or the soil or the casket. Okay? They're just going to come up, see. That God, since Jesus had a glorified body and came and saw the disciples after his resurrection without even opening the door but walking through the wall, you know. That, that, they're going to they're gonna be caught up. And, and it's gotten so fast, by the time they're midair, our feet, all of us who are alive, are going to leave the ground. You don't need to get your Bible and your purse and your, your little iPod and all that kind of... No, you ain't going to be needing none of that. Lord have mercy. You know, you, you're going to have a glorified, immortal, incorruptible body with a brand new suit of clothes or outfit. You know? You might want to save that money you're planning to spend on that extreme makeover. <laughs> Tucking and fixing. Save that money because God's going to give you a makeover in a body like you ain't never had. <laughs> that immortal, incorruptible. We're out of here. Now here's what's going to happen in this timeline. Once we're out of here, the world's going to go in chaos. Because hundreds of millions of people will be gone from all over the world. Christians. China, Russia, Indonesia, New Zealand, Australia, India, the Middle East, Africa, Central America, South America, North America. Folks are going to come out of the ocean who died at sea. Folks are going to come out of, uh, of places where they were incinerated when they died by fire. Folks are going to come out. Uh, folks are going to also come out alive from airplanes while airplanes are flying. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Pilots are going to leave airplanes. And oh, if you're not ready, yours are going to crash. I'm not celebrating that, but you don't want to be here unprepared. You understand? They're going to come out of trains and subways. They're going to come out of church buildings, government buildings, school buildings, multiplicity of millions of people, perhaps one billion people will be gone and the world will go into chaos because somebody will remember immediately that NBC, ABC and CBS and no government can explain this away. Somebody remember, my mama told me that this would happen. My pastor told me this would happen. They, I went to a play in a church and they told me this would happen. Heaven's gates, hell's flames, if you've ever seen it. I, I've seen movies. I heard about the left behind books reading about how this would happen, but I never really believed it. I just thought it was a bunch of hype and some sort of fictional stuff or, or, or stuff that is just not believable. And so I, I just really made light of it. The churches are going to be filled right after the rapture. Folks are going to come and they're going to cry and they're going and they're going to, they, they, some people are going to be angry with one another because they, they, they will say to them, you told me it wasn't going to happen. You told me I could do this and I could still be saved. You told me if we went here or did this or did this other thing, you could, because once I got saved, I could live like ever I want to and I'll go. Oh, I'm getting in some touchy ground here. You told me and folks are going to be, they're going to, by the millions, many are going to try to find, and, and it's going to go on this way for weeks and days and months. It's going to go on this way because the world doesn't have an explanation. No camera is so fast with its lenses that they could capture how fast the rapture is going to take place. We are going to be out of here, all who are saved, and we're going to be seven years in heaven at what is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb, where God is preparing us to come back and rule with Him during the millennium. While we're up there seven years, the earth is going into what you see on this chart, seven years of tribulation. After months and months of chaos, somebody's going to rise to power. Someone is going to be able to calm everybody down, be able to, he's going to come on the scene very, uh, very, how does the word, smooth, charismatic, uh, as a healer, as a peacemaker. He, he's going to have super wisdom and knowledge until he's able after months to calm things down. He's going to rise to power. I'll talk about him in just a moment. And tribulation is going to begin. I, I want to tell you this. What I'm about to tell you here defies human understanding. What you read about in Revelation 6 and the following chapters about the three different kinds of judgments that will take place during the seven years. 
you will think that somebody like Steven Spielberg made it up. O.H.G. Wells. What the, what the History Channel did a week ago, last Saturday, was to present a sort of a documentary about this very subject. They call it the Apocalypse. Seven Judgments of the Apocalypse. I sent it to you. I told you I would. I saw it last Saturday night on the History Channel and I sent to you via our church's office every email address we have. I sent you the nine-part series that makes up about an hour and 30 minutes of everything I'm about to preach to you here. And I looked at it with riveted attention Saturday night a week ago because I thought, what is the History Channel trying to do? Speak against the Bible? I'm looking to see how they will mess it up and say it's not real and it's a bunch of hallucination and nonsense and they didn't do it one time. You know what the History Channel did? They said, these judgments, this, these uh, chaos and confusion and plagues and viruses and famines and trumpet judgments and bowl judgments and seal judgments that talks about earthquakes, talks about, uh, talks about nuclear warhead weaponry in, in missiles and such, which John didn't call it that, but he was 2,000 years writing ago. He didn't know those terms, but now we know what it means. What, what the History Channel was saying is, is this. Are there evidence, or is there evidence, is the proper way to say it, is there evidence that what John wrote in the island of Patmos 2,000 years ago about what would come upon the earth is there evidence now that those things can happen? Or was John, remember John who wrote it, was a prisoner in exile on a barren island, one of the Grecian islands. As a prisoner, they couldn't kill him, so they thought they'd put him on this island, and maybe he would starve or go senile and die in about a week or a month or a year. They put him there to die. But God had him there for a different person. This is 2,000 years ago. God had him there to receive revelation. That's why it's called revelation of what is to come in this world. Can I get an amen here? Of the judgments of God. I told you last week about the purpose of the tribulation. Somebody says, well, Pastor, why would a loving God let all this happen? Isn't God a God of love? Yes, yes, yes. But God is saying, now I've given you thousands of years to get ready. While I'm a God of love, I'm a God of judgment. This culture, America, this world have, have desecrated and blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ. They have desecrated the house of God. They have blasphemed about the blood of Jesus Christ. This culture have taken religious symbols and call it art and done all kinds of perverse things to it. This culture has said that you can, you can live in all kinds of sexual perversions version and there is not a God live now there's not a heaven there's not a hell we got preachers coming out now who's supposed to be preachers who are involved in homosexuality and lesbianism who's supposed to be pastoring churches and handling the holy things and telling you that God has changed his mind about sin and judgment and God say that my son's blood Jesus Christ will not have been shed in vain I am bringing this world as you know it to an end I am going to judge righteousness and I am going to be, I am going to make sure that my son is king of kings and lord of lords and one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess whether you want to or not that he is lord. If he is your lord, give him some praise. He is a God of love. But no more, than, no more than you would want to allow your wife or your husband to be sexually promiscuous in your marriage. No more does God want his children to commit spiritual whoredom or adultery. Anybody hear me, somebody? No more than you'd want your children to keep doing dangerous, terrible things without warning them and giving them proper correction. God loves us more than we love our natural sons and daughters. Can I get an amen? But He is a loving God. The mercy of God is the reason why the rapture hasn't taken place yet. Did you hear me, somebody? 
I want to tell you, I am a recipient of the mercy of God. Every day, His mercy is new every morning. And I'm telling you, while I tell you all that's going to happen, you can be a recipient of God's mercy. He takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked, but He's also a just God, and He will not ignore sin. So you don't want to be here in the tribulation. What you want to be is raptured, snatched out, pulled out, resurrected to be with the Lord for the ages without end. If that's your desire, help me praise Him. I'm getting too happy too soon. The History Channel said last week that not only is it likely that all that John saw that would take, could take place on the earth is likely to happen. It's not a matter of if this is going to happen. It's when. Please listen to me. The History Channel, nor the participants, many of which in that show, some but not all, many of them, does not come to the defense of the Bible or claim an affiliation with Christianity. I'm talking about scientists and other people who say exclusive of religious affiliation. These things, these horrendous things that John talks about that could come upon the earth are very probable. Not if, but when. My motive is to make sure you are ready. My motive is to tell you that millions of Christians will be left behind. Did you hear me? One of my sermons I took from Matthew 7 and 21 when I said to you what Jesus said. Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do so and so in your name? Is that the word, somebody? Lord, Lord, didn't, let me paraphrase. Did we not go to church in your name? Did we not give an offering? Did we not sing in the choir? Did we not have our name on the church roll? Did we not show up every Sunday? And the Lord says, you know what? Sorry, I never knew you. Because I'm not interested in performance of playing church. I'm interested in a relationship every day. Can I get an amen? God's not interested in selling fire. Our insurance will we get saved now and live like the devil until Jesus comes and then before he comes we'll know and we'll get saved again. No, no, what God is interested in is blessing us. Us knowing him every day. Whatever you need to give up to serve the Lord, what you get, what God gives you, whatever you give up, God will replace in your life with such joy and peace and blessings until, my friends, you won't miss the things of the past life because all of what happens in you for Jesus, all things are passed away. All all things become new. I think for most of us, the, the greatest regret we have about our walk with God is that we didn't start it sooner. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? And so I tell you all that to tell you that you don't want to be here in the tribulation. And I'll tell you why. Because there, the number seven has significance throughout Scripture. The number seven is God's number. You know, seven days to create the earth and rest. You remember Joseph's dreams regarding what would happen in Egypt? But God said there'd be seven years of plenty and then there'd be seven years of famine. Can I get a witness? Seven, all throughout the Bible. Remember when, uh, his name slips me, Naaman. Naaman the leper was healed. He was told to go dip in the water seven times. In the book of Revelation, we see three categories of God's judgment taking place in the tribulation. They are known as the seven seals. Like breaking a seal of a letter and reading the judgments. Seven trumpets, like somebody blowing a trumpet and saying, be ready, these things are coming next. And seven bowls, judgments, meaning like bowl full of content being poured out, seven of them. Let's start with chapter 6, and I'll only get to these first series, but we'll get as far as we can. How many know God is still with us? Say amen. The first of the series of judgments of God is known as the seven seals, and the first one we read about in chapter 6. Now, when I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals... And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse, white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Observe then, this white horse and its rider is the Antichrist. Okay, this is the man I told you about earlier who will come on the scene and with his anointing, from the devil, because everything that God has real, the devil has a counterfeit for. So the devil has a demonic anointing. 
He will come on the scene as a peacemaker. He'll come on the scene. He will, he will rise out, sort of a meteorite kind of rising up. Uh, I should say, or appearance. He will come out of a ten-nation confederacy out of Europe. That's where his base of power will be starting out the first three and a half years of tribulation. And he comes out of there because Daniel tells us and Ezekiel tells us also in Revelations that he's coming out of the ancient Roman Empire, the revised Roman Empire. And you already know now, because I told you this before, but let me just remind you, you already know that there, are a, there, 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 there is a ten-nation confederacy, maybe 11 or 12 now, that's called the European Economic Community. You know that already exists. Okay, can, can I get a witness here? You already know that among that European community, they have their common currency. They also have a common passport. So one passport to all these nations. What I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, you're behind the times if you don't think that this can happen. Can I get an amen here? I really believe that we're so close to the coming of the Lord that that man could be alive right now, but he won't be revealed until we are out of here. Thank God for out of here. Hallelujah. I'm not interested in knowing who he is. And if I know who he is, I know we're just that much close to the coming of the Lord. I know there's been a lot of guessing, but it's not yet revealed. I'm saying to you, I like what uh, David Jeremiah does when he describes this Antichrist and how he will rule. Now, this warrants a whole sermon, but that's not what I'm here to preach about right now this morning, the Antichrist. I'm here to preach about the tribulation. Now, what David Jeremiah says in a book that he recently wrote, The Coming Economic Armageddon is the name of his book. He describes the Antichrist as this kind of leader. Several things. Dynamic leader. Pompous. Proud, arrogant, so pompous he'll speak words against God and against Christ. He will not only be a dynamic leader, he'll be a defiant leader. Anyone who resists him will suffer. After the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the last three and a half, he will want world domination as a ruler. In the first three and a half years, he may have a partial world Authority over a part of the world or many nations. But when he seeks for world domination, he will. And you know the satellite communications already, digital communications already there. Uh, uh, all kinds of communication for one man to be live in one place and the whole world seeing him at one time. You already know that. He will, he will uh, instill the mark of the beast. And I, I shared about that. You need to get the, 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 the tape and see the... And anybody who doesn't take it will die. If they don't take it and hide, they can't buy, sell, trade, get gasoline, get groceries, get food, nothing. Okay? I won't tell you, times are going to be so adverse, people are going to sell themselves to the devil. A defiant leader. He's not only dynamic, defiant, he's going to be deceitful. He's going to promise the sky. He's going to promise Israel peace with the Palestinians. And they're going to sign an agreement with him. And they're going to see him for a portion of time as their Messiah until he desecrates their holy place and demands more from them than they knew their Messiah would. Deceitful. He is going to be diabolical. Hear me now. Diabolical implies demonically driven. His cohorts, of course, he's going to be empowered by Satan. He's going to be the Antichrist and he's going to have an assistant who's known as a false prophet and they are going to be diabolical and demonic and make no excuses for it. Not only dynamic, defiant, deceitful, diabolical, but dramatic, dramatic. He's going to, he's going to have all media available to him, all, all kinds of other resources, all kinds of ways of communication. He's going to be dramatic and he's going to persuade people by being dramatic. He's also going to be demanding, again, demanding. He is going to claim the allegiance of everybody alive during the tribulation. And if one does not, listen to me, he is going to have secret agents. Uh, he's going to have people who are uh, incognito, look like you, dress like you, talk like you, work in your job, drive in your carpool, go to your school. He's going to pay them money, pay their bills, give them a salary. And they, all their job is to tell on those who are claiming Jesus Christ as their Savior. He's going to be demanding. And, if, and, and what is going to happen here, anybody who resists him, he's going to kill. There is going to be the reenactment or the replacing of, uh, uh, of the uh, means of killing with the guillotine. Because the Bible says they saw the heads of those who were beheaded for the cause of the gospel. He's, he's worse than Hitler. He's worse than Mussolini. He's worse than Saddam Hussein. He's a combination of all that. You don't want to be here when that man gets in power. Because he is going to rule with whatever deception and might that is available. He is also, however, going to be defeated. 
And he's also going to be doomed. Now, let, me, let me tell you this. Let me, let me let you know this. After the seven and a half years of all this hell on earth come into pass, and we up in heaven, the Bible says, after seven years, we are coming back with the Lord to the valley of Megiddo. In the valley of, there's a place in the, in, in, in the Middle East, you already know, in Israel, known as Megiddo. Okay? You also understand that there, the armies of the Antichrist, and there'll be millions of people, and the nations he represents, are going to fight with the armies of God. There, the armies of the Antichrist, and all those who follow him are going to say, no more of church, no more of Jesus, no more of God, no more of all the supposed judgments going on. We're going to wipe out anything about God. And in the Bible says there's going to be a 200 million man army that will fight in that valley. The valley is 87 miles long and one mile wide. It can contain that larger army. Just China alone. Listen to me, somebody. I'm not talking about something down here in the yon future is not possible. Just China alone, because of its size of population and military might, China alone, we are told, has the probability of a 200 million man army. But listen to me. They are going to meet. The Bible says the blood is going to run so deep in that valley, it's going to be as high as a horse's bridle of all those who are going to be killed. The Bible says it's going to take seven months just just to bury the dead. I'm not talking about somebody's hallucination. I'm talking about what the Word of God said is going to happen. Anybody hearing me? And the Bible says we are coming back with the Lord and we are going to meet the armies of the Antichrist. We're going to be with the armies of God. We won't have to lift up our rifle. We won't have to sword or get a sword out of our sheath. We won't have to toss a hand grenade. The Bible said by the word of the mouth of Jesus Christ, in His mouth will be a double-edged sword, meaning the power of the Word, the symbol of His Word. And with the word of Jesus, the Antichrist and Satan and the false prophet will be defeated. They will be cast in a bottomless pit. The devil will be cast there for a thousand years. And we will go into one thousand years, a millennium of peace. And we will rule and reign with the Lord because the Antichrist will be defeated and doomed. And Jesus is Lord now and forevermore. Somebody praise the Lord. Come on and celebrate him. So, he's not my leader and I'm not worried. Because I'm marching to another drumbeat. Well, let's, uh, you see what I mean about preaching this stuff? It just, let's move to number two. The second seal. The second seal broken. And this is the next judgment taking place during the first three and a half years of tribulation. Read in chapter six, verse three and four. Follow in your Bibles. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And it was given to him a great sword. Now, now listen to this. John, writing this, wasn't hallucinating as an old senile man. This was God. Speaking to him, and he was writing it in terms that he could understand in his culture and days. He didn't have any knowledge about tanks and missiles and nuclear warhead and bioterrorism. So these, these symbols have revelation. Let, let me help you understand. The second horse is a red horse. It's the color of blood. And this represents massive war. Because when the Antichrist comes to power, not everybody's just going to follow him. Oh, hallelujah, we'll just follow him. They'll resist him. They'll know who, who, who he is, and some nations will resist him. There are also going to be other people trying to gain world dominance. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that there is enough nuclear weapons stockpiled, weapons of mass destruction stockpiled in nations around the world, that if they were released, just a, some of them, Hydrogen bombs, etc. The world could be destroyed multiple times over today. Did you know that? Did you know that there used to be a time in history when only nations like the United States, China, Russia, England had nuclear weapons. And they did their best to keep these weapons from being developed by other nations. Now we have nations known as rogue nations that have the weapons. North Korea. Pakistan, Iran. I'm saying to you that this is not hypothetical. 
The capacity for nuclear destruction already exists. Massive wars. You don't want to be here. And so there'll be wars. Can you imagine the fallout? The fallout that takes place after nuclear weapons are released in the atmosphere? Let me move on. The third seal. Read with me. I'll read. You follow. Verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. This is a black horse. The rider on this horse represents famine. Perhaps famine that will result from the soil of the earth and the vegetation of the earth and the atmosphere of the earth being contaminated by the result of nuclear war. Perhaps because of the fallout of a nuclear war, the sun will be darkened and the earth might go into what is known as impact winter. The earth could go into months and months of an ice age when no vegetation is grown until this is cleared up. Very likely and probable, brothers and sisters. The Bible says that food is going to be so scarce that a full day's pay, a full day's salary, will only buy enough food to keep one person alive. You don't want to be here. You don't have to be here. I'm out of here. Right after I preach this. Okay, here's a fourth seal. Are you with me still? Look at verse 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see! So I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Now look at me just a moment. Some of this symbolism doesn't even need explaining, does it? Can I get a witness? Some of it is just very, very understandable. So let me see if I can clarify. The fourth seal is actually a horse that is pale green or yellowish yellowish in color. Perhaps leprous in its color. The rider on the fourth horse is death. Followed by Hades, which means the realm of the dead. This rider and this horse represents a judgment coming on the earth. The fourth seal judgment that has to do with destruction by the sword and by hunger and by death. What I also believe will happen here too is the high probability of plagues. Because the Bible talks about diseases and plagues taking place on the earth. Since 1972 and now, over 100 million people have died from malaria alone. You see, in America, we we are sheltered. We have clean water, or most part clean water. We have a clean environment. We have a lot of sanitary stuff. But in other parts of the world, people, they they, they die because of polluted water. Do you know right now, as I'm preaching to you this morning, there's sort of a, almost an epidemic or pandemic kind of outbreak in Haiti with cholera? How many know I'm telling you the truth here? Okay? And what I'm saying to you is, I'm not trying to say, oh, this is just something that might happen. No, I'm saying these things happen. How many remember some years ago there was this disease known as SARS, S-A-R-S, has to do with our rest. People were wearing masks and, and all in their, you know, always protecting themselves from the environment. During the time in, in world history when the bubonic plague was at its height, and even after its demise, over 100 million people died of the bubonic plague. In 1918, 1918, a virus came to the fore that was known as the Spanish flu. Let me make sure I have that right. Yes. Almost 100 million people died. Of the Spanish flu. You see, we have these diseases in this world that can be transmitted through birds. Avian flu. Can I get a witness here? Scientists tell us that once every ten years, there's a terrible strain of the flu that circulates in the earth. But once every hundred years, there's a catastrophic strain of flu that affects the earth. Let me say this to you. The Bible says that during the tribulation that I'm talking about, that you don't want to be here at seven years, one in two people will die. Okay? I don't like those odds. I'd just rather go on up to be with the Lord. Okay? Let, 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 me, let me say this to you. So that you know that I'm, I'm not just trying to give you some 
off-the-wall stuff. Some years ago, we, we didn't even know these terms I'm about to tell you. Some years ago, we didn't even know the possibility. But here we know these terms like bioengineered virus. Test tube. In a test tube, people create weapons of mass destruction. Bioterrorism. Okay, let me... Laboratory designed diseases. Look at the preacher. I dress nice so you could. Uh, l- listen, listen. I'm talking to people who listen to the news. Did it not happen this week where packages in the mail were seized, destined to a Jewish synagogue in Chicago, carried by UPS and other cargo carriers? I'm I- I making stuff up a possibility. The, the terrorists and those who hate and propagate hate and other, other kinds are going to do er- everything they can creatively create in their creative uh, arsenal of death and destruction to accomplish their goal. And, and these packages were supposed to, upon reaching the destination, if the terrorists, they had them hooked up to sort of an uh, electronic device that by calling the cell number to that device, it would explode during the worship it wasn't for the grace of God. You'd be amazed how much God keeps you and I from. Can I get, you know, the Bible says the spirit that now led it, meaning the, the spirit that the Holy Spirit is here now and we ain't dead because of the, because the Holy Spirit's fighting off the devil's complete dominance of the world. Right? Anybody hearing me? We could all be a victim of mass destruction, but because you pray and somebody's mama is praying for them and somebody's daddy. Can I get an amen here? Because somebody, somebody's praying. You ain't even saved yet. Some of you, some of you you're a backslide. You're thinking, man, I'm okay without Jesus. You're living on somebody else's prayer. You better shut your mouth and thank God for somebody. I'm not being unkind. I'm being truthful. Yeah. Oh, bless God. I don't need Jesus and that little bald-headed man. He's kind of cute, you know. He tells funny stories, but I'm okay. Let me tell you something. You don't have to answer to me or your mama or your daddy. If you miss this, God's going to roll the video. I don't want you to miss it. You don't have to miss it. You can be with the Lord and thank God you heard the truth. Can I get an amen, somebody? So, so the possibility of this kind of death is very likely. One-fourth of the earth's people will die from war, hunger, and death. During World War II, one in 40 people died during World War II. Here, one in four will die. Let me show you the fifth seal, please. I need to move on. Look at verses 9 through 11. If you're there, say amen. When you open the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, how holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to the, each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, were completed. Now, now let me explain this. This... Represents martyrs. People will give their hearts to Jesus during the tribulation, but it won't be easy. Once you are discovered as a believer and you refuse to take the mark of the beast on your hand or your forehead, you become an enemy of the state. You will be sought out and killed. They won't just tolerate you hiding out in some kind of hole somewhere. They will seek you out and kill you because your kind of rebellion, as they call it, against them, is going to spark other people to rebel. Thousands, multiple thousands will get saved in the tribulation, but only by declaring their allegiance to Jesus and dying. This shows the people who have died during the tribulation. You, I got so much to say that I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. You say, how long, oh God, will you wait before you avenge our blood? He gives them a white robe, and they rest for a while. During the tribulation, there's going to be unparalleled persecution against Christians. Please listen to me. If you can't serve Jesus now and the Holy Ghost is here to help you and the church is here to help you and Bibles are everywhere and altars are wide open, if you don't have enough strength to serve God now while the Holy Ghost is here, what are you going to do if you get left behind and He's gone? You're going to sell your soul to the devil just to live. Because that's how the flesh works. Don't plan to be here. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just trying to get you ready. 
But you know what's going to happen? Hell is going to be released on this earth so strong. Instead of people turning to God, millions will curse God and curse the church and blaspheme and hate Christians. The sixth seal. Are you still with me, everybody? A couple more and then I'll wrap it up. But listen, it's worth a few minutes of your time here than a few minutes in other possible place. That's not going to be minutes. It's going to be eternity. We won't go there. Chapter 6, verse 12. And I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Verse 12. You see that sun become black like sackcloth of hair? That's possible because of volcanic eruptions and the plume of ash that will cover the earth because there will be major volcanic eruptions. It's also possible because of the result of nuclear fallout. The, the next verse that talks about the moon becoming like blood, that's what the color of the moon is going to look like through that kind of atmosphere at night. The stars of the heaven. Look at verse 14. And the sky receded as a scroll. Again, another possibility of nuclear explosion. The sky received like a scroll when it rolled up and every mountain and island will move out of its place. Sound like an earthquake? Possible, isn't it, church? And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the commanders and the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from him, from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? The worst is yet to come. Earthquakes like you've never seen before. We are told that in recorded history, in, in, in maybe recent world history, maybe the last 200 years, there's been over 21 earthquakes where more than 50,000 people died. That, you know that there's been earthquakes in the last decade of greater proportion and size than any other time in recent history. And somebody says, well, Pastor, we have more instruments to measure earthquakes now, and that's why it appears that there's more frequency. <laughs> were you born last night? Be real. Look, look, look at the news. In, in, 19, in 1553, 1553, Shenzhen province, China, 850,000 people died from earthquakes. You don't want to be here. Uh, I have more to tell you, and I won't tell you all now, but let me, let me see if, if I can put it to you this way. Men will pray during this time of devastation. They will pray not to God for salvation. They will pray that the rocks and the mountains and other places will kill them and they can't die because they're suffering. It says kings, great men, mighty men. There ain't going to be no big eyes and little U's. Everybody's going to look out for their own skin. You won't have a friend during the tribulation, okay? You won't have a friend because somebody come to you and say, you're the reason why I'm headed to hell and I think I'll kill you while I'm on my way. I'm serious. I'm telling you, you don't want to be here. And the only friend you have is if you're saved and you could hook up with some other people who are saved and go hide. But you don't have to be here. Grace. The last seal and the final seal is what I'll close with, is seal number seven. We read about it in chapter eight, because in between chapters six and eight is chapter seven, obviously, and it talks about the theme of the 144,000 Jews who will be protected by God, etc. But I'm not teaching on that this morning, I'm teaching on the tribulation, so we'll go to verse one of chapter eight. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, now listen to this. 30 minutes of silence in heaven. It could be that a merciful God is waiting for the inhabitants of the earth to repent. But repentance doesn't come. What I learn, I'm teaching you. Why am I telling you this? Because you are supposed to tell somebody else. Why have you write it down or, or get the CD or, or, or get on and, and record it somewhere? Because somebody can come looking for your Bible when they're left behind. And they need to have something to read and know that there's a way. And God will still help them. But it won't be easy. Okay? The number 30. The number 30 in the Bible. 30 minutes of silence. The number 30 in the Bible means mourning, grieving, hurt. And maybe this is a picture of God pausing long enough. To say, if you'll come, I'll receive you before the other series of judgments fall. Because the silence of this seventh seal 
opens the door for seven trumpets that I'll tell you about next week of judgment. The silence of, of waiting for 30 minutes. I don't know if it's a literal 30 minutes. Or I don't know if it's longer than 30 hours. I don't know for sure. But what I know is God is merciful. Even when all hell breaks loose, God loves you and me. Are you glad? I am. And let me say this to you. It ain't going to be easy though. Let, let, let me show you something here. And then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Please go to chapter 9 very quickly. Chapter 9. You'd think that people would say, My God, I messed up. I need to get saved. Even if it costs my life. But look at chapter 9, verse 20. Are you there? Say amen. Chapter 9, verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Of the works of their hands. I underline it in my Bible. You ought to underline it in your Bible. I underline it in red. I have a red pen. You need to write in your Bible. It's your, it's your homework. It's your, it's your notebook. If you use it up, go buy you another Bible. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you for the encouragement. Uh, verse 20. Did not repent of their works of their hands, and they, that they should not worship demons and the idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear or walk. This this Antichrist guy, he's going to make an idol of himself. That's going to look like it's alive and make people worship it. The, the, his assistant going to make people worship it. And if they don't, they're going to kill him. Look at verse 21. And verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders and of their sorceries and of their sexual immorality or their thefts. Hurry, hurry, hurry. This is chapter 16. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. Are you there? Chapter 16. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9. You've got to underline this. Are you still there? Verse 9, chapter 16. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues. And they did not repent. Underline it again. They did not repent or give Him glory. Man, I'm thinking people are stubborn, hard-headed. And when this heaven now, just think what's going to happen then when hell is going to hinder you. There's more. Look at verse 11. You still there? They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And did not repent of their deeds. You've got to hurry down to verse 21. Verse 21. And great hail from heaven. Hail. H-A-I-L. Hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about a, the weight of a talent. I know people in this church right now who had to replace their car after a hailstorm because it was so destructive. Do you know how much a talent weighs? What the weight of a talent is? The weight of a talent is 125 pounds. 125 pound hailstone. <laughs> Let me tell you, ain't no car, ain't no house, ain't nothing going to live through 125 pound hailstones all over. Okay? That's what the Bible says. And even though that happens, men blaspheme. Look at the verse, part B. Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. I appeal to you at this hour of decision. Don't miss the rapture. Please, listen to me and let me tell you. If Jesus doesn't come soon in the rapture, you could die before the rapture. And if you're not saved, you will miss heaven. Not for the sake of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or money or drugs or alcohol or sex or a car or a job or a vacation. Don't miss. Don't let anybody keep you from heaven. Bow your heads. God did not just allow you to come here today. We're none of us here by accident. Hell is going to have a heyday today. It's called Halloween Day. And a lot of hell is going to break loose because people don't even know what they're playing with on Halloween. I, I love children. I don't mind children having candy. But what I'm against is all the demons and demonic activities that will take place today under the name of entertainment and innocence. Those powers of demons are real. They would even keep you from getting saved today. Pastor Matura, I don't need to hear anything else. I'm convinced I need Jesus. I don't want to be here for the tribulation. Oh, I don't want to die without Jesus. I have gone away from God and I need to come back to the Lord. Because if I die today, I may fool others, but I can't fool God or myself. I will not go to heaven. 
Pastor, I've never been saved. Pray, Christians. Every Christian, every born-again Christian, pray with me. I'm certainly not dragging this out because I want to weary you. Pray, Christians. We're fighting some principalities and powers and darkness right now that's got to be fought in our intercession. Pastor, I don't understand everything you preach, but I do understand that I didn't make my life. God gave me life, and I want to return His blessing. By giving him my life in service. I want to serve the Lord. Pastor, I've got some stuff i got to deal with. And the Lord helping me. I haven't got it right yet. But I'm not going to wait till I get it right. I'm going to help. Ask him to help me make it right. If you are not saved and you want to be saved, raise your hands. Raise it right up. Nobody else is looking. Hold it up right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. More. More. Several others. Come on. Hold it up. and Thank you. Come on. In Jesus' name. Nobody's looking. Me and you. Lift it up in Jesus' name. Pastor, I'm coming back to God for the first, for, for being away. Oh, I'm coming the first time. Pray, Christians. There are more hands going to go up. Hold it up. I'm going to ask you to hold it up just another moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Somebody say amen. Amen. Keep it up a moment. I, 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 there's at least ten other people here who need to raise your hand because you don't need to let the devil steal your soul and send it to hell. you got ten seconds, and that's all I'm going to hold this out for. You got 10 seconds. Keep your hand up. If you haven't hold it up, hold it up right now in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There it is. Another one. Here's another. Here's two others. Somebody say amen. Here are two others. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one over here. Oh, you may put them down and you may open your eyes and you may clap your hands right now and thank God you ain't going to hell because you're going to pray in a moment. You're going to pray. Come on. Everybody ought to thank God that somebody is not going to populate hell. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Oh, in Jesus' name. Okay. While you stand up, give me just a few more moments. You say, Pastor Matura, I have, I have a need to get more serious about my walk with God. I have a need to get more committed. Some, I have given up on some stuff. There are people I should be praying for, Pastor, that I quit praying for because they hadn't changed. They got more mean. I need to go back praying for them. Can I get an amen if that's some of us? Pastor, I used to be more intense about my Bible reading and my daily prayer, but I've, I've gotten distracted. I'm coming back with more power. I want to represent lost loved ones. I want to represent a closer walk with God. I'm saved, Pastor, but I, I, I've been a little bit lukewarm or indifferent. <laughs> Happens to all of us, okay? And I need the Lord. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. I need to just draw nearer. Raise up your hand. I don't care if everybody's looking. I'm raising up mine every day. I've got to have it. Yes. You may put them down. If I got altar workers here, and I know I do, come to the altar, altar workers and staff and other people. Come stand up front. These people ain't going to save you. They ain't going to do nothing magical to you. They're just going to stand right here and pray for you in Jesus' name. Okay? Now listen, this ain't going to be dragged out. All I want is this. It's for you to say, if Jesus is unashamed of me, I will be unashamed of him. However you raise your hand for salvation, for coming back, for being born again, for returning, for a loved one, for your son, your daughter, your husband, wife, somebody need to be saved or closer walk, come right now. Everybody who raised their hand for something, if there's room.